God has spoken to us as a local church. And I've been thinking about moving into the future and moving into what God has for us. And it's been an amazing start to the year. I just want to say uh, the first three months of this year have been a really positive start in the life of this church. And I'm so grateful for what God has um, promised us. And remember our prayer and fasting time, there was that word about enlargement. There was a word about increase. And already we've started to see that happen. And I'm very, very grateful. Uh, and yet I've been thinking of how we can move as a group, as, as a community, into, fully into the promises that God has for us. And I felt God speak to me this week out of the life of Caleb. Do you remember Caleb, a character from the Old Testament? And so I really would like to try and use Caleb's story to uh, encourage us all this morning. And I read a little thing by John Piper who said this. He said, as Christians, we are called to rejoice with those that are rejoicing and we are called to weep with those that weep. And so if, you're, if you are a disciple of Jesus, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are constantly doing those two things at the same time. <laughs> you are rejoicing with those that are rejoicing, and at the same time you are weeping with those that are weeping. You are, you are enlarging your heart for people all the time. And I, I, I hope this message this morning will encourage you, whether you are rejoicing at this time, or whether you need some encouragement, all right? I hope this message is going to encourage you. So I want to say this. Perhaps this morning you are in a good place and you're feeling like God is doing good things in your life. Perhaps you've just got a job that you've been waiting for for a long time and God has provided for you. Well, we want to rejoice with you this morning, all right? And say we are standing with you and rejoicing with you. However, perhaps you're someone who's sitting in the pew, or not the pew, in a seat today, feeling like your life quite has not quite worked out like you thought it was going to work out. Uh, perhaps you've had some stress in the recession that we've just moved through, that you've lost your job, for example, or you've had to change jobs, and that's kind of set you back in your dreams that you had for your life. Perhaps you've gone through a painful divorce. Perhaps you've just lost a loved one to sickness. These are real things that life throws up that we don't ask for, but we have to walk through. And I loved what uh, Andre, the song, we're just passing through. God's grace ministers to us, and we're just passing through. We are pilgrims in this life. This is not our home. This is not our destiny. Our home is in heaven with our Father. So I would like to use uh, a picture of an older man this morning, Caleb. And uh, I've realized more and more that these days, if you're 30 or older, you're cons considered old. So therefore, I'm including pretty much everyone here in, our, in, our, in the story this morning. Okay? So perhaps you feel like you missed some opportunities in your life because um, just you had made some mistakes, misjudgments, misfortune. Perhaps you feel disappointed with yourself. Perhaps you feel that uh, you're tired. You've got no energy. I said to Helen the other day, I feel like that my bounce back quotient is getting reduced. Do you know what I mean by that? You kind of, uh, when you're younger, you bounce back quite easily, don't you? You kind of, if you have a disappointment, it's not a problem. You just get up, you go again, you've got energy. I'm feeling like my bounce back quotient is being reduced a little bit at the moment. I don't bounce back so quickly as I used to. Anyone can identify with that. And so I'm praying that I'm going to, my bounce back quotient is going to increase. I, um, uh, I said this before, I want to say it again. When you're in your 20s, you think that you're invincible and that the world is going to bow to your amazing gifts and talents. When you're in your 30s, you discover that actually it's not that easy. 
When you're in your 40s, you think about what you should have done. And when you're in your 50s, you begin to make peace with it. And I hope that uh, we can all learn to live from a place of peace in our lives, making peace with who we are and what God has given us and gifted us to be. So before we look at Caleb, I just want to remind you of one little prophetic word that we had. There was, we had a friend who came into our church many years ago, a guy called Malcolm Black. Malcolm Black. And uh, he's told the story of this uh, American tribe that when they went into battle, they would run in each other's footsteps and they would go into the particular village where they were attacking and they'd rout their enemy and that caused great devastation. And after the battle, they'd run back home pretty much in each other's footsteps. And of course, the moral of the story is that as people would observe the devastation, they would say, what a mighty army. There must have been so many people to do this. And yet, when they looked at the tracks in the ground, they would see few tracks. And he said to us, as a church, he said, this is the story that God has for you. God is calling you to a sense of unity to run as one man. To run as one man. And I, I believe if we are going to move fully into the promises that God has for us as a church community, we must run as one man. And the, the scripture says, where there's unity, God commands His blessing. He can't help Himself, but He blesses where there's unity. And so, as I've been praying about this this week and processing these thoughts in my own mind, I rem, I re, uh, God reminded me of Philippians 1.27, which says this, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Jesus, so that whether I come and see you, or whether I am absent, I might hear of you, that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. Isn't that a wonderful encouragement? Paul writing to this church in Philippi saying, this is what I dream for you. Whether I'm with you or whether I'm not with you, only this, that you're striving together, side by side, one mind, one spirit, for the sake of the gospel and not being frightened by anyone that opposes you. Amen? Let that be the tone of this church. And so, if we are going to have that kind of unity, if we are going to stand firm like that with that kind of spirit and strive side by side, then I want to put it to you that perhaps Caleb is a good person that we can learn from. And you know the story well, don't you? In Numbers 14, God has promised to take the Israelites into the promised land. And so, he sends, Moses sends 12 spies into the promised land. And they come back with a report of what they see. And ten of them come back with a bad report. And they say things like this. The land is very beautiful. There are great things there. It's very fruitful. In fact, they bring back bunches of grapes that are so big that they have to um, have people with uh, two men with poles to carry these, um, these grapes back. And they say, it's a wonderful land. It's flowing with milk and honey. But actually, at the end of the day, this is just too difficult for us. We can't do this. We can't take this land. There are too many giants in it. In fact, they say the giants are descended from Anak, these, uh, these huge um, beings that the, the, they describe. The people are just too strong, and then they, they, they kind of come back and say, and actually, in their eyes, we appear like grasshoppers to them. And so they're already kind of backfooted. They are lacking faith. And only two, a young man called Joshua, who's about to take over the people, and an older man, called Caleb, 
they come back with a different report. And they say, no, it's true, all you've said, it is true, there are giants in the land, but you know what? God is with us, and we can do this. We can take the land. And so, there's this wonderful accolade that the Scripture pays to um, Caleb in chapter 14 of Numbers, um, verse 24. It says, Because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land and all his descendants will inherit it. I love that. There's a different spirit about this man Caleb. There was a, he was different from all the rest. And he saw with the eye of faith that no one else could see. And it's fascinating to me that even his name, Caleb, the root word in Hebrew, means forcible. He's, he's living up to his name. He's a forcible man. He's seeing with the eye of faith and he's saying, no, we can do this. And, and it reminds me of Matthew eleven twelve, where Jesus says to his disciples, from the day of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful people take hold of it by force. <laughs> There's something inside of us that needs to rise up when God promises something. I believe we have this thing that we do simultaneously. We rest in God, in His promises, so we don't strive. But at the same time, there's something inside of us that has to rise up and say, God, I'm believing you for this. I'm, I'm actively waiting for you for this. I'm taking a step into the promise that you are promising me. And I believe as a church community, we need to do that. We need to forcefully step into the promises that God has for us. Let me just remind you of uh, this progression. They, the, the people are in bondage in Egypt. They cross the River Jordan, and they enter into the promised land. They're slaves first, and they cry to God. And, and, and God hears their cry. He speaks to a shepherd. It's amazing that God always speaks to those that care first. Isn't that amazing? He speaks to a shepherd. Moses was a shepherd in the middle of the desert looking after his father-in-law's sheep and God speaks to the shepherd, someone who's got a caring heart, who's thinking about others. He speaks to the shepherd Moses out of this burning bush and whether you believe that is a figure, figurative or literal, I don't have an argument with you this morning. The point is God speaks to Moses and he hears the voice of God for his life. And I want to say to you this morning that God is always speaking and God is trying to speak to you about your life. Will you hear Him this morning? Will you hear what He's trying to say to you? He's always speaking. He catches his, the attention of this guy, Moses, and he says, Moses, I want you to take my people out of this bondage they are in, out of the slavery that they're in, into the promises that I have for them. And so this process begins. And do you know the story? There are all these miraculous signs that God pours out. And these are all to show, the scripture says in Exodus 8, that they are to show that God is distinguishing his people from all the others. And his hand is upon them. It reminds me again of the New Testament where Paul encourage, uh, Peter encourages us in 1 Peter 2 and says we are to be a peculiar people. He doesn't mean weird. He doesn't mean super spiritual. 
He doesn't mean that. He means a peculiar people from this point of view that we see things in a peculiar way. We see things with the eye of faith. We see things as God sees them. And that's not like everybody else sees them. We see things differently from the rest of the world. When we look at the crises in the world, our hearts should respond with a different spirit and a different perspective because we are seeing from God's perspective in a peculiar way. We are seeing from His plan's perspective. We are seeing that He has all things in His hands, that the, world is, the destiny of the world is secure in His hands, and we trust in that. We don't get frightened by what we see because we're living with an eye of faith. Come on now. We are a peculiar people. And I want to put it to you that if we're going to be peculiar people that are going to move into the promises of God, we need to be a people of courageous faith. And so this promise to come, to enter the promised land now comes. And as as I've said, um, the ten come back with a bad report, the two come back with a good report. Can I just ask you in an honest way, as you think about your own life, as you think about the promises of God for your life, as you think about this church, this church community, and the promises of God that God has for us, are you in the ten, or are you in the two? <laughs> and I don't accuse anyone, and I'm speaking to myself, because I, as I was reflecting upon this, this year, this week, the unfortunate truth is that most of the leaders and most of the people were in the ten. That's the truth. Most of the leaders and most of the people were in the ten. There was only two that saw things differently. And so I'm not saying that I'm in the two. I'm asking myself, am I in the two? And uh, as I think of this story, one thing comes over and over again. The people and those leaders in the ten, were great complainers. (laughs) They had perfected the art of complaining. They complained about everything. And I'm just going to give you a couple of examples. Exodus 15. They blame their leaders when they're in the desert. They blame Moses and Aaron. And they say, it's your fault we are here. And they were in slavery. And then they say, we were better off in Egypt as slaves. We are better off And we remember the cloves and the leek and the garlic. Oh, we long for the luxuries of Egypt. Why on earth did you bring us into this place? The first thing they do is blame the leaders. They complain before the Red Sea is about to be opened. You know the story. The the Egyptian army is behind them. They complain as they get into the Red Sea. Moses, what have you done? We're going to be killed here. Complain, complain, and then Moses' supernatural event happens, the Red Sea is opened, and then, oh, thank you, Lord, they rejoice after the event. But but no faith to anticipate what God can do. But afterwards, oh, thank you, Lord. Aren't we a bit like that in our lives? We need breakthrough. We've got very little faith to see what God can do, but we are so thankful when God does something. (laughs) And something miraculous happens. It's just, it's a picture for us of how we we can be. And... um, they complain in Numbers 11. When they're about to cross the Jordan, they're about to go in. They complain again. And you know all it does? It delays God's promise for them. It delays what God has for them. And that's all that happens. God still gets His way, but it delays it for them. 
And so the real, real downfall of these people, and I, this is what I, I hope we will learn from them, is that they were always looking back to what was. <laughs> the good old times. The when we's. When we. When we. Do you remember the when we people? When we did this. When we did that. Uh, oh, the past is always better. Always better. You see things perfectly in retrospect, don't you? And the past is always better. You know when you live your life like that, all it does is make you completely dissatisfied with your present reality. Always. And you can never move into the future because it's always, oh, the past was so much better. The past was so much better. Remember when we did that. Remember when we did that. Never going to move into God's promises with that in our hearts. We have to have faith in the new thing that God is doing in us and through us. And so I um, preached a message once when I was a student. We had, uh, I used to love, I still love Italian food. I still love food, but Italian food. And my friends, uh, they would eat, eat whole cloves of garlic. Have you ever done that? Just smash garlic into your face. It's very tasty, but what happens afterwards? Everyone else suffers. And so we had these pills that were called pongos. They were a mixture of garlic. Do you remember the pongo pills? And so you'd have a, you'd have a, a wonderful meal and you'd take pongo afterwards so that your breath would not smell. I've discovered this about people that complain all the time. It's like they fill the room with a stale garlic smell. Have you ever noticed that with complaining people? You walk into the room and it just smells of this kind of like garlicky, unpleasant odor. It's always stale, always unpleasant, never nice to be around. People that complain all the time. Come on now. Let's take some pongos. What pongos do we take? The Word of God, the promises of God. Faith in our hearts. Let our breath be refreshed by God's Holy Spirit. Come on. I still want you to like me at the end of this. All right? <laughs> and so I put it to you, we, we, only, we start to do that when we start to see things in a peculiar way. That is with the eye of faith. Four little things. How long have we been going? Because I want to let Andre come back. Four things, Andre, and then we'll have you up, all right? Four things that set Caleb apart from everybody else. Here they are. He grew stronger as he got older. If you see with the eye of faith, you do not have to get less passionate as you get older. You do not have to grow quieter as you get older. You do not have to get more cynical as you get older. There's a way of keeping yourself fresh. Isaiah 40:28 says this, They that wait upon the Lord will... Renew their strength. They will mount up on wings as eagles. I want to be like that when I'm older. I want to get stronger. I'm saying to all the young people in this church, you want to go forward? Absolutely, you're going to have to overtake me first. Yeah, I'm not giving up yet. I've still got a race to run. God has still got something for me, and we've got an inheritance together. We're going to go into it, but you better come past me. I'm not going to wait for you, even though I'm old. Come on now. I see my friend Quibus, uh, Hey Simon, at the back there. Don't ever mess with him, all right? I promise you, you'll come up second best. I saw this picture of him as a younger man kickboxing in Japan. Don't want to embarrass you, mate, but I have already, obviously. And this big Japanese guy is like in the ring, and literally within 30 seconds, he just smacked him once like that, boof, and he fell down. 
out for the count. Hey, Corvus, we must have that same kind of passion for the kingdom, eh? Absolutely. Let's have spiritual men that can just take one look at the giant. Boof. Gone. Come on now. He grew stronger as he got older, not weaker. Secondly, he grew bigger in spiritual stature and adventure. He grew bigger. He didn't allow the disappointments of life to shrink him back down. You know, that's what I found about as you get older, that little disappointments, they shrink you. And you start to feel a little bit less adventurous, a little bit less filled with passion, a little bit less thinking that the best is going to happen. Why? Simply because there's a couple of knocks that you've had to endure. And then you allow yourself to be shrunk. If you like that this morning, I want to encourage you to be enlarged by the Holy Spirit this morning. Don't let those disappointments shrink you down. Yes? Let your heart be enlarged by the Holy Spirit. This is what, at the end of his life, Caleb said this. Moses, uh, Moses hands over to Joshua, the young man, and actually Caleb could have been the leader. He doesn't get all bent out of shape. He doesn't say, oh, why wasn't it me? You didn't pick me. And go and sulk in the corner. He didn't do that. He said this. He said, God, I ask only this. Give me my mountain. Let me take my inheritance. Yes, he was saying, no, God, I thank you for all you've done. And yes, Joshua's the guy. I don't have a problem with that. But as for me, I've still got my inheritance to take and you've still got something for me and my people. I want to move into that. Come on. That's what he, he did. He got stronger as he got older. He grew bigger in spiritual stature. He was a man of character. I've already mentioned this. But he didn't let the setbacks get him down, life's little knocks. He had this unshakable determination and desire to move into God's promises for him and for his, his people that, that he was leading. And so he was this man, his life was underpinned, undergirded with courageous, courageous faith. And I'm fascinated um, that we don't see over the, the story of Caleb, we don't see an eclipse of a man. We don't see a man shrinking back. We don't see a man getting smaller. We don't see a man allowing life to just determine his destiny. We see a man growing larger, bigger, more adventurous, more filled with faith the older he gets. I want to live like that. And so, last point. He remained positive, he remained healed, and he remained cooperative all of his life. Positive, healed, and cooperative. How do we remain positive, healed, and cooperative all of our lives? Well, I've already said to you, let's be those that wait upon the Lord to renew our strength. I can put it another way. I can say we must be those that fix our eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus this morning. Remind yourself daily of His goodness and His kindness to you, His mercy, His blessing, everything He's poured out upon you. Thirdly, let the Word of God wash you. When you read it, let it wash you. When, you met, when you're on the train going into London commuting and you're listening on your, uh, your iPod or whatever, let it wash you. Ask God to wash you with the water of His Word. When it's preached in this kind of context, let it wash you. And that only happens if your heart is soft and open. You say, God, I want to hear. Let it wash you, let it wash you. And fourthly, let's keep in step with the Holy Spirit, yeah? By keeping our hearts open and soft to Him. I've uh, been trying to encourage you out of Galatians, and we will get back to Galatians, that God wants us to live free, yes? He wants us to live free by the power of His Holy Spirit. He wants us to live free of 
expectations that other, other people put on us, and He wants us to live free from the expectations that we put on ourselves. He wants us to live free. And Bill Harbel says this, you know, he's the guy from Willow Creek in Chicago. He says, we need to learn to live in an uncluttered way in our soul. He's kind of saying the same thing. An uncluttered way in our soul. And I found what really clutters my soul is relational stress. Have you ever found that in your life? Relational stress. When there's something that you just know is not quite good with some person, it can clutter you and you can kind of, you can wake up in the morning and just not feel that freedom that you want to feel. Yeah? And so I found this, that we have to learn to manage our expectations of other people and the expectations that people have of us. And that's part of living courageously. That's part of living with faith. It's not letting those things push back upon you. And so, how can we live free in that way? Well, I want to ask you this. Do you know what your spiritual gifts are? Do you know what God has gifted you spiritually with? You know, the Bible says that there are 12 spiritual gifts. I know I only have about two or three. And you know what? I'm, ha- I'm happy with that. I'm happy with that. I want to exercise my two or three gifts that I have with all of my heart. And I want to ask you, please, as God's people, not to expect me to be a pastor that has all 12. Because I don't. And I've said to you before, don't treat me as someone who must have all of the 12 gifts. I don't have all of the 12 gifts. I, I-, I want to ask you to let me live in the freedom of my gifts, which are two or three. And I commit to do this for you, that I will never put expectations on you to have exercise gifts that you do not have. Because that's also unfair, isn't it? You expect me to live in a way that is not me, because it's not my gift, and I expect you to live in a way that is not you, because it's not your spiritual gift. Now, part of keeping each other free and learning to manage expectations of people is to say, these are my gifts, I rejoice in these gifts. I will do my best with these gifts. And I will applaud whatever gift you have so that together we find the mind of Christ for this community. Are you with me? So what are your gifts? I want to encourage you to find out what your gifts are this year. And so if you see me not active in some particular area or you don't see me taking up the latest social cause for justice, know this. It's not because I'm trying to be lazy. It's not because I don't think I must do stuff for the kingdom. It's simply probably because it does not match my gift set. And I'm not using that as an excuse. I'm just saying, I want to do what God's called me to do and enjoy it. And I want you to do what God has called you to do and enjoy it. So I want to say this as I finish. I want your families to be free. I want your family to prosper. I want your marriage to be spectacular. I really do. And I genuinely can say, I've prayed these things for many of you in this congregation. I want your lives to be a blessing from God. I want this church to be a blessing to your family. I want you to move into all the promises that God has for you. I really do. I want this church to move into all the promises that God has for it. In a real sense, I want us all to move into the promised land, if I can use that image. I want this church to leave the desert behind. I want this church to move fully into the promises that God has for it. She's a beautiful bride. This church is beautiful. Really. I love preaching 
at other places, but you know, I genuinely come back every time and say, God, I want to thank you for this precious bride. I want to thank you for this church. This is a great church. I'm not saying that in a competitive way. It's a great church. God has done a wonderful thing. Let's enjoy it. And I want all of us to move into this. My, my request to you this morning is that uh, I would hope that you also want my family to be free. I would hope that you also want my family to prosper. I would hope that you would also want my marriage to be spectacular. That we can move into the inheritance that God has for us. That's what I would hope. So I say, can we keep each other free? <laughs> can we keep each other free? Can we pray blessing? Can we not become, can we, can we leave complaining behind? And I'm not accusing anyone. I'm just saying, whatever areas we complain in, can we leave that behind and can we stop being comparers and we can, can we become each other's champions? That was, I thought that was good when I prepared it. Three C's. Complainers, leave the complaint behind. Let's become each other's champions. Not comparing to each other, let's become each other's champions so that we really can be those that run as one man, striving side by side as we began with Philippians for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of seeing people saved into the kingdom, that we would be more like Caleb. The older we get, the more adventurous we are. That we are healed, we are positive, we are cooperative, we are full of courageous faith, we are soft to the Holy Spirit, our eyes are fixed on Jesus so we can run the race that He's called us to run. And simply as Caleb did, he learned to be someone who waited on the Lord so he could renew his strength. Yeah? Amen.